The Nourish and Shine podcast is provided for educational and informational purposes only, and it is not medical, mental health, or healthcare advice. The information presented here is not intended to diagnose, treat, heal, cure, or prevent any illness, medical condition, or mental or emotional condition. Please make sure you consult with a trusted healthcare professional before you make any changes. Welcome to Nourish and Shine, where I talk with passionate leaders in the fields of nutrition, functional and integrative medicine, and wellness, providing inspiration and practical advice to nourish your mind, body, and spirit, optimize your health, and live a whole vibrant life starting now. Today, I'm so excited and humbled and grateful to bring you an interview with someone who I admire and respect and really who just inspires me. So today I am talking with Kate Clearlight. She is a plant lover, folk herbalist, herb gardener, medicine maker, botanical perfumer, flower essence practitioner, and a devoted believer in the cosmic healing powers of our wild allies. With an approach to herbal medicine deeply interwoven with honoring the plant spirits, she crafts plant medicine as a bridge to help connect people with the healing magic of the green world. Like I said, Kate is absolutely inspirational, and today you'll hear from our conversation the reverence she has for the plants and the time she spends getting to know the plants and the thought that she puts into everything she does with plants is just incredible. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, and if you do, please make sure you leave me a ratings or review on iTunes. Welcome to Nourish and Shine. Today I'm talking with Kate Clearlight of Plant Folk Apothecary. She is a folk herbalist, an herb gardener, and a medicine maker, and someone who I greatly admire. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, it's such an honor, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. So I would love for you to share with our audience kind of your journey to how you got interested in plant medicine and herbalism and kind of how you got to where you are. Mm, yes, it's been it's been quite a journey. Um, it really opened up for me with organic farming. I had always been really just enamored by the forest. I grew up in northern Vermont in a really beautiful sugar maple grove, and just always always really kind of felt the support that was kind of an undertone of of being a human living on the earth. Um, but it, yeah, I didn't really make my, my way to herbal medicine until I was probably 20 or 21. And that really blossomed out of, out of getting close to the earth through organic farming. And from there, the love affair just kind of grew and grew. And I just like couldn't get enough of the plants and just wanted to keep understanding more and more about the ways that they support us and the um, the medicine they carry and just just the whole thing it's been such an organic journey in itself just the way it's unfolded and transformed and has been a huge part of my own personal evolution as a as a being um, yeah so I, I just kind of continue always to allow it to go in the direction that it wants to and just being really guided by the plants themselves 
From reading on your website, I saw that you went to the Roots program at the California School of Herbal Medicine and also studied with Rosemary Gladstar. Can you tell me a little bit about both of those experiences? Oh, yes. I love I love sharing about herb school because it is such a, a healing journey in itself, um, just signing up to go to a program like that. But the California School of Herbal Studies um, was started by Rosemary. It was the first herb school um, to be formed in the U.S. And um, yeah, the, the program that I did was almost a year long, very intensive and just deep dive into walking the plant path. They have a garden with over 400 species of medicinal plants. And we spent a lot of time just sitting with the plants, which I think for me, you know, the teachers are amazing and we learned so much amazing information, but, but the real medicine for me came from how much time we spent just sitting with the plants and getting that direct information from them. Um, and then Rosemary's program that I did with her was, um, it was an advanced apprenticeship where we studied with quite a few different clinical practicing herbalists within that program. Um, which was a very powerful experience. We did a, a focused a lot on the intake process and really learning how to see people for their overall constitution and learn how to match, play matchmaker with the plants in that way. Um, so getting to know the personalities of plants as well as people is, is such a treasure trove of a journey in itself. And especially this time of year in the spring when there's so much new life. I think plant communication is amazing. And can you speak a little bit more? I know one of the things you mentioned you were excited about was plant communication right now. Can you speak into more of what that is and what it looks like and maybe even how someone would get started with that? For sure. That's a question I get so often because people are like, why can't I hear the plants talking to me? And some people can or wondering why, you know, when they're going to start seeing fairies or, you know, whatever it is that we envision when we think about plant spirit medicine and plant communication. But really, um, it's as simple for me in my journey. It was as simple as sitting with, for me, it was a mugwort plant. There's usually kind of like a gateway plant that is the first plant that people have an experience of recognizing the consciousness in the plant um, and for me it was mugwort and it was it's simply sitting with the plant for long enough that you start to feel seen by the plant and you start to recognize that they do have a consciousness and that your frequencies are kind of dancing with each other in that moment and it it unfolds from there, but it starts with sitting for long enough because plants are very slow. They live in the dream time. They're not like humans were rushing around all the all the time, but the plants are like meditating. So you really kind of have to sit in a meditative state with a plant to enter their, their sphere. Um, and it all unfolds from there. Anyone can do it. I like 100% believe in every human's ability to receive information directly from the plants and the earth it's it's our birthright it's just a practice one of the things i love about your work is how you connect with like the earth and how you kind of bring together so many different things today we were planning on talking about um the language of beauty 
and connecting with the earth and our bodies through creating beauty, flower offerings and hair rinses and all those things. Let's start diving into that. So how did you kind of come up with this concept and um, what is, what does that look like? Yeah, well, again, one of the questions that I receive so often is how do I get people just really longing to get in deeper connection with the earth and just really be able to integrate and feel the love and magic that is literally radiating from the earth at all times. And it's such a, a simple kind of answer to that is that in order to get more in touch with the earth and the earth's beauty, we have to come back to a place of fully accepting ourselves first and recognizing that the spirit and beauty that's flowing through the earth is the same spirit and beauty that is flowing through our bodies at all times. Um, it's just like the earth, we are the four elements embodied and animated by consciousness. And so we can start to recognize those four elements within us and the fact that we have these two hands that are capable of creating we can begin to mirror what we see and remember that um, that we are a walking manifestation of the earth's beauty. And so it is, we are all, um, we all have the ability to remember our fluency in the language of beauty. And there are so many practices we can dive into to try to awaken that, that remembering within us, but it really starts by just sitting and looking and seeing the beauty and just sitting for long enough that um, that we start to really feel it down to ourselves. Beautiful. And I love the connection of beauty of the earth and being and finding that within yourself. As far as like beginning to form some rituals around beauty and skincare and those sorts of things, um, what are some of the ways that you found um, that connection? Yeah, again, for me, it comes back to mirroring what we see. So like the image that comes to mind when I think about rituals and beauty and self-care is like, I'm imagining it's spring right now. So imagining like a wild plum tree dropping blossoms into a brook and just like that, that's a ceremony. That's a little mini ceremony and these are going on in the earth all around us all year long all day long all the time and so you know an, a, a ritual is a very personal experience it's easy to, to emulate what we see and try to incorporate these spiritual practices that we see other people doing or posting on social media or whatever it is but the essence behind a ritual that really has meaning is this direct revelation of your own knowingness of how to take care of yourself. And the earth really shows us how to do that. So looking to the season that you're in, looking to the face of the moon and, and trying to draw rituals from that that are genuinely meaningful to you. Um, just because everyone is, you know, having full moon parties and, taking full moon baths or whatever, maybe, maybe you feel more alive in the in-between phases. You know, you have to really allow space for your personal unique experience to be part of 
to to drive the rituals to help um, curate those rituals, and that's what makes them them truly meaningful. But working with plants that are in season and just in general noticing what's going on in the natural world is going to help you know what to do to take care of yourself in that in that moment in time. Working with plants that in, are in season is really important. And I know you're a very passionate gardener and you have a beautiful Instagram page. Um, can you speak to like, as a gardener, what are maybe like the top five plants that you would say someone just starting out and someone looking to connect with the plants and use them maybe in beauty or in rituals or even in their food? Like what are, what are maybe five of your favorites? I love this question. I get so, I just got so excited when you were asking it. Cause I just, <laughs> I love, I love um, growing the plants. And I also think people look at pictures of my garden and they're like, oh my God, how am I supposed to try to recreate this? There's just so much going on, but I would get just as much joy out of a garden with five plants in it that I could sit with and put in my salads or make like an infused oil with. So anyway, um, I'm going to start with calendula. That plant is a treasure trove of medicine for the skin you can make facial serums body serums body creams all of all of the body care um, it is such an emollient soothing plant topically and the petals are edible which is just such a an added bonus to that plant you can sprinkle them on your salad super medicinal cleansing lymphatic herb and soothing to the gut it's just full of these beautifully healing resins and um, add it to teas and it's beautiful. The, the pollinators love it and it's so easy to grow and is such a generous plant. It just blooms and blooms. Um, okay. So that's number one. <laughs> um, number, <laughs> two. Wait, number one, I like, as soon as you said it, I just lit up because I grow a ton of calendula and when you say it's easy to grow, that is so true. And it can mm. sell seeds and comes back even here in Wisconsin. And so I just, yeah, I love calendula. Yes. Any plant that self seeds like that, I just like, I, you know, it's, it's just providing medicine after medicine. And it's just that generosity, that spirit is, which is the ultimate spirit of the plants is that just wanting to, to share their medicine with us and calendula. It's the perfect emblem of that. So. Yeah. And the seeds are so magical. Like everything about that plant is just, um, and there's like the mandala in the center, which you can get into a meditation with that and the whole thing. But um, yeah, so number two, I'm going to say Tulsi, holy basil. Um, this is an herb you can use. People do make like culinary pestos and things like that with it, but I love it as a tea, as a fresh tea, and I dry a lot. Um, this is a plant that is, I think, such needed medicine for the world right now. It's it's adaptogenic, but it's it's very calibrating to the nervous system, and also provides this kind of clear channel to our like true purpose. I really feel like it brings us back to what our our spirit is really longing for in life, while kind of helping us chill out and, and get things done a little bit more efficiently. And 
um, also pretty easy to grow. It's not going to make it through the winters here, but um, yeah, I just, I love that plant and I think it, the bees, the honeybees are in love with it and makes a beautiful cold infusion into water. It just like releases all of the aromatics and get this really beautiful infused water. Um, but other than that, I would dry it for a tea. Um, it's beautiful too. Its presence is just um, super sacred and holds that space for the garden. But um, number two. I went out to a really cool polyculture farm where they were growing the holy basil and I, he had me taste it and it tasted like bubble gum at the point that I tasted <laughs> it. It was so amazing. And this is the first year I'm going to try to grow it as well. I haven't ever grown it before, but I'm very, very excited about it. Yay. Oh my gosh. I totally know the, that bubble gum kind of like candy that this has this such a unique special aromatic going on that's amazing yeah so yeah so calendula chelsea and i'm going to say violas or pansies um these are not so medicinal but they are my favorite edible flower another super super generous plant um Someone wrote to me on Facebook or Insta Instagram and said that in Portuguese, and I can't remember how to say it, but that the viola's name translates to perfect love. And I just like resonated with that so strongly because they are such sweethearts. They're perfect for just sitting and gazing into their, their sweet little faces. They really have like a face um, and there's so much variety in the color and tons of bioflavonoids when you eat them and I like sprinkling, sprinkling them into a salad or putting them on a cake or whatever. It's just, to me, that is like the essence of like enjoying being alive is like sprinkling flowers onto your food is just, that's my, like my personal favorite form of medicine is that beauty medicine. But um, yeah, so violas or pansies. And then my four. So let's see. I'm gonna think about this one. Lemon balm. Also very easy to grow. Can become a little invasive, quote unquote, in some places. But um, the aromatics of that one. You know, aromatics, aromatic plants. That's like really their kind of soul signature, and their offering that medicine like so readily those aromatics just want to like jump into water or oil and we can receive so much shifting in our own consciousness by incorporating those aromatic herbs into our food or our, our tea and lemon balm is just such an uplifting spirit soothing they call it gladdening like it just is an all-around just uplifting plant and it's um named melissa which is named after the bees um they love they love the flowers and just the presence of that plant is just a joy so already with just that that little group you would have like such a sweet little little garden um, for the bees and for yourself to sit these are all amazing so far by the way <laughs> 
they're so simple. I mean, this yeah. is like any, you don't like none of these, you don't need any gardening skills, which I think people get really intimidated and the veggie plants are a total different story. They're like way pickier. They have more pests that go after them. For the most part, the herbs and most of the, many of the flowers are just scrappy and they wanted, they want to just do their thing. So whenever we can, we can go for that. I think that's, that makes it a lot easier on us and create space for us to believe that we're good gardeners. I think that's an important piece of it, but okay. Um, hmm. Number five, let me just really think what I would plant. I mean, if you wanted, like, obviously the veggies are a whole other thing. Like I love growing chick, like chickweed, nettle, greens like that, but I wouldn't necessarily try to incorporate those into a little garden of five plants. Um, hmm. I would say I'm going to leave the fifth one open for whatever people's like favorite herb or flower or like if you use a lot of mint or lavender or you love zinnias or snapdragons or leave something you know I just feel like we need to grow what we love within reason of what can grow where we live but go to a farmer's market and see what what the farmers are growing and find your favorite thing and then put that in your garden and hang out with it and get to know it and I think that's the the real magic in gardening is the relationship that we get to form. Yeah, I love that advice. And that's, I love dandelions personally. And right now they're just everywhere and I get so excited about them. <laughs> that's so funny because actually just while I was talking, I'm looking, I'm in my yurt and I'm looking out the window at just like a field of dandelions <laughs> and they are just in, I can't, they're kind of growing in the echinacea and the marshmallow and I cannot get myself to, to weed them out because I'm just like, you're important too. The bees love it. And yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I have dandelions in my garden right now. And I was telling my husband just before I came over to do this, I was like, I leave them on purpose. And he was like, what? <laughs> like, I just love them. They're too beautiful. I can't pull them out. And they have so many uses. And so totally. year after year, they, you know, they just keep coming back in my garden and I appreciate them. So my daughter keeps picking me dandelions because I told her it's my favorite flower. So oh. it's really sweet. She gives me dandelions all the time. <laughs> oh my goodness. They are truly that precious. And yeah, if they pop up in your yard or your garden, let them grow. It's such a gift. Like what is sweeter than a flower who just plants itself and appears in your yard It's and is full of medicine? It's yeah it's the best yeah and they make such a good pesto <laughs> the leaves and I feel mm. like there's so many different wonderful things you can do with them and I love nettle too that's something um I've come to appreciate more lately and I enjoyed mm. it while I was pregnant as well and it just it's so nourishing and it's just it's wonderful yeah, I've heard nettle described as the as green milk, and that just really mm -hmm. says it to me. It's like when you when you make an overnight infusion and you take a sip, and it's just like so mineral rich. It's almost like creamy tasting. It's just so chock full of of that mineral goodness. It's it is the ultimate nourisher, I think. 
one of the things I wanted to talk about with um, you about was baths and like the healing power and just the energy of having a bath ritual or using baths. Um, can you speak into that? Mm, yeah. So yeah, our, we have a wood fired tub in our, like just next to our garden space and it's beyond just the self care piece of it, which is obviously a, a huge part of it, but there's really this, this energy to the process of creating a bath or drawing a bath and setting that all up. For me, it's, it's a four element experience. You're really drawing in like the heat and the water and there's, you're adding plants to it, the whole thing. And, um, it feels very much, obviously it's a cleansing experience, but there's also an aspect for me where I'm adding teas that I've pre-brewed or throwing plants in or whatever it is where there's this infusion going on. And so you're submerging your body into this four elemental experience and letting that infuse into your body, into your cells. And to me, that's the ultimate recalibration of reminding us that, you know, we are the elements, we are walking earth bodies. And it's also an element of surrender and fully allowing yourself to be supported and taken care of, which is something that the earth is constantly trying to remind us how much support we have. And to me, the bath is the ultimate place to just let it all go. It's a sacred, it's a sacred space where you can just, the water can help unlodge stuck emotions and just the whole experience to me. It doesn't even have to be elaborate. Just a simple plain bath on its own will offer a lot of that. But yeah, I think it's a, a super, super powerful, simple tool that we can infuse into our our weekly rituals or however however we want to work with it. But um, yeah, I believe, I be I'm a huge believer in the healing power of the bath experience. In your um, plant folk apothecary, you have a number of different bath products. And the one that I love is the wood-fired tub. Um, mm. <laughs> I think that is so cool. And also um, the one I've used before is the flowers in her hair. is like the Mm -hmm. my daughter loves that one too <laughs> and so oh. we just sprinkle it in the bathtub <laughs> so totally. for sure yeah yeah the wood fire tub was I actually created that product before I we even made our wood fire tub because I had always I had seen pictures and I had seen them on people's land and I was just so enamored with the idea of heating your bath water by fire like that is just the most kind of primal, ancient, um, basic self-care thing that humans have been doing for a very long time. So that product was born from that, that dream of that experience before I had ever even experienced an actual wood-fired tub. Um, and that is really the idea behind most of my products is this, this dream within them for this this longing to be connected to the magic of the world and flowers and her hair, that hair rinse. That's one of my favorite products because it's just so whimsical and you get to brew it. And whether you do add it to your bath or a foot bath, or you do use it as a, a hair rinse, it's like you're making a tea out of flowers. And anytime I just feel like 
that process in itself is healing before you even actually use the product for anything. Um, so yeah, it's my hope within all of them that people catch a little bit of that spark and remember that like the magic is inside of them and all it takes is a little reminder, whether it's uh, of getting you to get into a bath or mist yourself with, with some aromatic herbs or whatever it is. There's so many gateways back into our own awareness of the magic that is totally surrounding us. And one of the things I love that I read about you is that you make, so you grow a lot of the plants, but then you also make a lot of your own floral waters um, using a still. And that's something I went and saw um, like a little class where someone was using a still and made essential oils in the flower waters. But can you speak to that and how you, how you learn that and like how you use that in your products? Yeah, so I'm definitely not an expert. I've never, I actually, we taught ourselves. We watched, like, we bought a still. My partner bought it for me as a gift. And I was like, this is the best gift anyone's ever given me in my <laughs> life. I was just so enamored by the look of it. It's just that copper alembic. It just looks so old world. And you can just like feel the alchemy just in the shape of it. But, um, we just started doing it. We started when I worked at Zachwood's Herb Farm and had access to tons of, of plant matter. And I would take home like a trunk load of Telsey and distill it and then bring back um, hydrosol to share with, with Jeff and Mel at Zachwood's. But um, that was really the beginning into it. And it's such a, you need a lot of plant matter to get not very much um, plant water or flower water out of it. So we don't do it with, with every plant, but the ones that I do generally do are uh, rose petals and Tulsi and sometimes lavender. Um, and I've done it with desert sage, but it has to be a plant you have access to a lot of, but it's such a, I mean, you're literally distilling like the, the spirit of the plant into this concentrated little bit. So it's, it's a really magical process. It's one I take really seriously because you are working with such a, a large amount of plant matter and it's a precious transformation asking the plant to, to go through that transformation for your benefit. And um, it yields the most precious medicine. And I can't really say enough about, about hydrosols and their gentleness and their ability to, they have the aromatics, but it's in a really gentle way. And they're just so soothing to the skin and the spirit. And I think it's, it's one of those medicines that, that we really need right now, that gentleness. What are some of your favorite ways to use hydrosols? My number one favorite way personally, which I do with Tulsi every day is just misting, misting myself like crazy. Like it's not just like one or two, like you're misting like 40 times until you're just fully immersed in a cloud of the plant. And it's an experience. Um, you're literally transported into like Tulsi land or Roseland or whatever it is. And um, that's really, I like to add little splashes to my drinking water or my bath, but really I get the most medicine out of just the, the pure misting experience. 
And another product I've used of yours is the moon water. And you mentioned that you have marshmallow growing right outside. Um, can you speak to marshmallow and also the moon water and with summer coming up, kind of the benefits of that? Totally. Yes. Thank you for asking me about marshmallow because I feel like <laughs> I go on and on about it all the time. And um, I just cannot possibly say enough things, enough wonderful things about that plant. Um, her name is Althea, which is the Greek word for all healing. So she, it's just like this plant has been known um, to be this embodiment of, of that very divine feminine, gentle healing power. Um, and the entire plant is soft. It grows super tall and it has these very soft leaves. It's obviously it's in the mallow family, which is hibiscus, okra, cacao is actually in that family too, but um, it is full of these demulcent softening properties. The, the leaves are like velvet. The flowers are these light pink, sweet little ethereal beings. And the root, which is, there's lots of medicine in the leaves, but the root is really like the treasure trove of, of the medicine that I personally um, adore. And it's because there are these constituents, these long chain sugars um, that are incredibly mucilaginous. They are, you infuse them into water and the water becomes this like viscous, silky, slippery, uh, drink or infusion that when you take a sip, it's sweet and you can just like feel it hydrating every cell in your body. It's like, I remember the first time I took a sip of marshmallow water at herb school and I just, I had this like awakening of realizing how badly I needed that level of hydration and that level of gentleness. Like I just feel like Marshmallow is just this ultimate sweet, gentle healer who just wants to like wrap you in her soft arms and um, and let you be nourished and and hydrated and held and yeah. So it's in moon water, which is a a skin mist, a, a body mist, a space mist, but is incredibly emollient on the skin and just has that energetic of just like shh, just like very hush calming soothing energy to it um, moon water was originally a mist that i formulated back in herb school as part of a menopause protocol which was basically aimed to help with hot flashes to soothe the hot flash experience and over time it just transpired i started using it on myself and realized how much how genuinely soothing it really was and then it just kind of took on a new life of its own as this kind of soothing cosmic mist. But yeah, it's one of my oldest. Yeah, I've had such great experiences with it. And I love to let like everybody use it because I feel like people are surprised at like how well it works and just how like how cooling and like just calming it is almost mm, so yeah. a coworker with a little bit of a sunburn and it was like oh I've got the perfect thing and so I brought it in and she just loved it so mm, so glad to hear it I love love hearing those stories when you talk about using marshmallow to make like a really nourishing hydrating water is there anything else you add or do you want to kind of walk through like 
how you would do that if someone's interested? For sure. Yeah. So the simplest way, those, those long chain sugars, that mucilage is really easily pulled out by cold water and you can pull it out with hot water as well. So I, I kind of learned in herb school that it would break down if you add hot water, but I actually have noticed that you get plenty of mucilage with hot water anyway, but I just really like the energetic of the cold water with the marshmallow. And because you can get the medicine out that way anyway, I just, I love um, the energy of a cold, cold water infusion with marshmallow. So I take a handful of the herb and put it in a quart size mason jar. It doesn't need to be exact. This is like a super gentle herb. You can't if you overdo it, it will just be super slimy and you'll, you'll know for next time that you over slimed yourself. But, um, <laughs> and yeah, you, you let it infuse overnight. That can be part of like a little ritual is setting that up. You can make a little, a little altar around it. If you want, you could sprinkle in a few rose petals. I like to add a pinch of licorice root sometimes because it adds just a little bit more sweetness, but it's totally delicious on its own. And then in the morning, you strain it out, you get to see the magical transformation from water into this golden, slippery water. And yeah, just sip it throughout the day. Part of the ritual of doing an overnight infusion is when you first strain it is gulping it down, like letting yourself drink as deeply as you want to just experience, experience that plant medicine. But um yeah, sipping it throughout the day. You can add a little splash to your water if you just want to get the essence of it in there. But it is it is such a, a safe, gentle, accessible, sweet medicine. That's exciting. And I feel like I'm going to do it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, I will too. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Getting to, um, you mentioned like, back a little bit about people really getting into like um, full moon ceremonies and those sorts of things seem to become have been becoming more popular and you said kind of connecting with like what really resonates with you can we speak to kind of the energy of the moon and how you use that personally and also like in your products and how people could create rituals that are maybe meaning to them around like the lunar phases yeah, it's so interesting to me because I always like felt like, you know, I feel like we all love the moon, right? Like it's like, mm -hmm. it's impossible not to love the moon, but to really get to the place where you understand the moon is a process of understanding, again, coming back to understanding yourself and how you feel throughout the moon's phases. And that's the place where the rituals come from. It's not from, again, like not everyone saying that, oh, it's the full moon, it's time to do ceremony. It's coming from a place of like, what's going on with you? Maybe your ceremony is sitting on a rock by yourself and that's, that's the ceremony. It's just being with yourself and letting, letting that um, cycle move through you so that you can really understand your dance with the moon and to me that self-generated kind of ritual self-generated ceremony that's always the most beautiful kind that's the kind that actually transforms us and so for me with the moon i 
I personally resonate with with the little moon, with the, with the crescent new moon, much much more strongly than the full moon. Um, that's just I just I was doing I still do full moon ceremonies and take baths under the full moon and the whole thing. But for me, when I feel like cracked open, is that tiny little sliver of the new moon, and I. I feel this awakening within myself where I want to write and, and write down like planting seeds with of my dreams and really get in touch with like launching these these new visions and all of that. And so from that place, you can you can generate all kind of self-care ceremonies and rituals from understanding what's going on with you. Um, so I just think I just can't stress enough that that those ceremonies and rituals have to come from, from within you. And it doesn't take much to get to the place where they start to just burst forward. It just takes noticing um, what's going on in your internal landscape. Since we're talking about beauty and it's kind of that springtime um, energy right now, but we're going to be transitioning this summer around the time this episode comes out what are some um, things you recommend for people when it comes to beauty around that spring to summertime transition? Mm, so I personally love if you have access to dandelions, obviously that's, that's such an abundant one and one that we can make just endless amounts of medicine from infused vinegars. And what I really generally recommend, especially with, you know, we're talking about these transitions and the seasonal the cycles is what's noticing what's growing around you and finding out if you can make medicine with that or make take a bath with that or to take a leaf or a flower and identify it and draw it in your journal and um, just you know getting as close to possible with what's going on in the natural world and finding the flowers like lilacs or whatever it is that you could infuse into water and then rinse your hair with or splash your face with or whatever it is these simple simple little rituals that have meaning to you because they're going on right around you and obviously there are people who live in places where it's not possible to get access to all this fresh plant matter um, but you could still create you could go to an herb shop or um, order herbs from an herb farm or wherever and work with a flower you know in this time of like spring into summer we want to we want to engage with that that opening that flowering within us if we can um, or at least you know some people again some people might not feel that way at all in this season it's it's very specific but whatever it is you know whether it's getting flowers or roots or whatever you're feeling drawn to and making medicine with them. I really feel like this time of year we're coming into like this abundance and coming out of hibernation time to get our hands onto the plants and um, and making whatever we can with them or just finding out what they want us to they want us to make with them. Um, yeah, so I mean and what what really sticks with me is like getting the plants onto our faces at this time of year, um, like through misting or through making tea infusions or steaming these types of things um, with the flowers or aromatic herbs. I think that's a really good way to start waking ourselves up to, to the beauty of, of summer and this 
blossoming time. How do you do the steaming with the flowers? Yeah, so it's it's so simple. It's just a, a usually a ceramic or glass bowl or whatever you have, and um, putting just a handful or two of rose petals or lavender or whatever, and pouring a couple inches of almost boiling water, and just holding your face over. I like to put a piece of silk over my head to kind of make a little tent. You can for respiratory steaming, you would want to use a towel because it really is going to hold all of the steam in there. But for something like a face steam, I like a much lighter, um, just a light covering. And yeah, you just let it, you want to do it. I think for the most part, you want to wash your face before you do it because you end up opening your pores. And um, yeah, but yeah, you just enjoy the steam and for as long as you want, maybe five minutes or so. And then Always follow with a splash of cold water to to close the pores back up. And um, I really like to follow with a hydrosol. Honestly, it's the perfect tonifying um, little end to that ritual. And how about the use of oils and like infused oils? Mm, yeah, especially with like resins and aromatics. And, you know, the resins and plants are so soothing to the skin. Those resins and aromatics are so easily infused into oil. They just like want to almost jump right into the oil versus water, not so much. So for a lot of plants, like calendula specifically is so resinous. If you pick a row of calendula, your hands are just like covered in that delicious, gluey, uh, fragrant resin. So making an infused oil with calendula, you're just going to be able to extract that healing medicine straight into the oil and then you put it on your skin and it's like a direct plant to skin experience there are so many plants that just infuse so well into oil where we can actually almost like merge our bodies with with theirs and I think I know also within just the oiling experience you're giving yourself a lot of self-love you're you're touching your skin and massaging you're moving the lymph and circulation and all of it so I mean, yeah, I think that is that is such a an important self-care practice as well. And it's endless. The, the number of infused oils and combinations that you can make is just totally endless. Can I ask you a somewhat personal question about the calendula? <laughs> yes. <laughs> tried to make the calendula oil and I do it with um, it, when I infuse it with dried calendula, I have no problem and it works wonderfully. When I use fresh calendula, I keep getting mold. What am I doing wrong? Or how do you, how do you infuse your calendula if it's fresh to keep it from getting funky? Yeah, that's a major, I mean, calendula is such a, a juicy, I mean, it's a super watery, juicy plant. So it's totally normal. It's nothing that you're doing. We've all had oils. <laughs> have mold on them. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, so with calendula, I personally always do dried for my products just because they have to be super, super shelf stable. And you can, I, I don't feel that the, the resin is at all compromised in the drying process. So I feel like you get almost possibly an even more potent extraction from the dried flower. However, I really love the energy of fresh plants straight into medicine. I would just personally 
when I've done it in the past, what I've done is let it wilt for two days so that there's just some of that water has had a chance to evaporate off. And then when you infuse it, um, start off by doing a, a warm water, double boiler type of a, mm-hmm. a warm water bath infusion with no top on the jar so that you're letting even more of the water and then take it out, put the cap on. And then every few days, if you look at the cap and you see little water droplets forming at the top, then you know you need to do another another little warm water um, it's a double boiler situation, which helps get the water out. Because otherwise, for sure, water with oil definitely will cause bacteria and mold to form. Oh, good. Okay, that helps because I'm like, it's the most beautiful <laughs> colored oil and I love it so much, but I get so sad. <laughs> when it totally. Oh my God. It's so sad. And it's like the oil is precious. The flowers are precious. It's just I've been there, believe me. So okay. yeah, <laughs> that's just part of it is learning and there's loss and it's just, yeah, it's part of the dance. When it comes to your gardening, I just, I love, I love so much that you garden and grow so, so much of the plants that you use in your products. Are there any, I know we talked about like your five kind of go-tos. Are there any kind of rare ones or unusual ones you grow or anything you're trying out that you're excited about? Hmm. Well, we have a little patch of coyote mint that um, I, per- that was just one of the first wild mints that I ever fell in love with. And we're, we have a little patch of that growing. And again, it comes down to like my personal relationship. It's not even that I'm like, so excited to to make anything with it so much as like I'm so excited to just get to hang out with it because it's a plant that I met in the wild in Sonoma County when I was at herb school and I just had that that like love at first sight kind of experience um so yeah for me the plants I get the most excited about are ones that um, I don't get to see very often. We have a lot of datura that we plant every year, which is a super, super magical, moony, um, kind of shamanic level of a, a healer plant that we grow just for its presence as well. Um, so these plants that kind of have this magical story behind them um those are the ones i get i get super excited about and i'm not growing them in large amounts not growing them to do anything with them but just to to hang out with them really is what i get the most excited about i love that yeah that's i feel like every year i don't know i always try to grow something that i'm like i don't know this is different or fun or Mm, totally (laughs) new yeah sweet grass is one thing I recently just started growing and I know Mm. that's something you grow as well right yeah we have a very little patch it does not love Taos New Mexico where I live in the high desert is is high and dry and we have a little teeny patch and it's doing really well but um I'm my original plan was to grow like a field of it. And that I don't believe is in, in sweetgrass's best interest at this time, (laughs) (laughs) but it is so very, very sweet to have that little patch to hang out with and to just 
sit with again. Yeah, I'm definitely not harvesting anything from that at this point because it needs it needs all of its resources. But um, yeah, that's another one that is just so so nice to sit with and honor and learn from. So um, towards the end of the interview, I always like to ask our guests, what's something you do consistently for self-care? I know I sell all these these products that are can be used for self-care and things like that. And there's so much out there that we can buy. But my my number one most important self-care practice is sitting outside every single day. And I would do this no matter where I was. I know right now we're we're in this pandemic and this probably hopefully by the time this airs will be somewhat re-released into the wild. But um, getting that time, whether you're in an urban area and you can just go sit next to a tree in a park for 10 minutes, whatever it is, that is when I get recalibrated. That is when the frequency of the earth, which is the ultimate healing medicine, enters back into my little energy bubble and reminds me about what my my gifts are and my purpose and my deepest longings and unlocks all of that. So maybe it's sitting, you know, on your your porch and looking at the clouds, whatever it is, for me, that is that is the ultimate check-in um, and reminder of of how loved and supported I am by, by all the forces. And we all are. And what does the word nourish mean to you? That I come back to the word supported. Um, I come back to just feeling absolutely held and this feeling of that I can trust that it's all, it's all coming in the way that it's meant to. That feels like the ultimate the ultimate nourishment is that leaning in, trusting the unfolding. Beautiful. And you mentioned kind of meditative practices in nature and being with the plants. Do you have any specific practices you'd want to share around that? Yeah, there's so much. One of them, um, this is drawing from Sandra Ingerman, and she talks about this practice a lot. It's called a gratitude walk. And you walk through nature. You can also do this while sitting, but there's something very like processional, very ceremonial about taking a slow walk. And you would take time to give gratitude for each of the four elements. And I like to take it a little step further. And as I give gratitude for that element, I really wait for it to, to see where it's resonating in my body and to allow it to really infuse into me. So you go through each one you see where you're seeing it and you just thank it for the work it's doing within the earth and within your own body. Um, and I just really feel like it helps wake us back up to, to the magic of everything that's going on to keep all these systems going and keep our bodies going and bringing us back into that place of wonder. Mm, that's a beautiful practice. I love it. I know people are going to want to connect with you. And if If you haven't already checked it out, check out Kate's Instagram for sure. Um, It's Plant Folk Apothecary, correct? Online or is it? Yep. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So your website is um, plantfolkapothecary.com and your Instagram is also Plant Folk Apothecary. And 
It is. It's just plant folk. Sorry. Is it just plant folk? Um, I'm plant sorry. Folk, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's okay. So your Instagram is just plant folk. Um, and it's absolutely beautiful. Your photographs are amazing. And I feel like each one is its own work of art. Oh, thank you so much. That's just like such a joy, honestly, to get to share in that space. And it feels like just this big celebration together that we get to celebrate the beauty of our world. Oh, it's just incredible. So definitely everyone check that out. And thank you so, so much for being a guest today. I can't tell you how grateful I am. This has just been wonderful. It's been such an honor and truly such a a beautiful, uh, exciting conversation. Thank you so much for listening to Nourish and Shine. I hope that you enjoy this episode and that you'll leave me a review on iTunes so that more people can hear the podcast. I'd also love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I would love to hear your questions, so please send them my way. Also, you can check out my website. It's amysapola.com. I hope that today's interview provided you with some inspiration and practical advice to nourish your mind, body, and spirit, optimize your health, and to live a whole vibrant life. Please join me again next week for another amazing interview. Have a wonderful week.